I'm Nuria martinez Keel, And I'm Kayla Branch. 25 years after the attack on the Alfred P. Murrah Federal Building, Oklahoma City officials are still trying to solve a mystery. A leg found at the scene of the bombing has never been identified, but a relatively new organization could help find the answer. here with reporter Dale Denwald. Dale's been reporting on the 25th anniversary of the Oklahoma City bombing, specifically about an unidentified leg that was found at the bombing site. Now, Dale, tell us just right here at the beginning, where do investigators believe the leg came from? Well, that's that's the question. We really we really don't know. The um, it, it could be from um, a, a number of there could be a, d- a number of different possibilities. One being that it, it, it belongs to a known victim who um, it just hasn't been matched. Uh, it could belong to an unidentified victim um, who uh, we otherwise don't have enough uh, um, body material to, to, to say, yes, there, there is an unknown victim. We just don't know who it is. Um, there were theories floated uh, during the trial of Timothy McVeigh that this could be an unknown perpetrator uh, that's been pretty soundly rejected uh, as an idea, but I think it's still, uh, as long as we don't know who whose leg this belongs to, um, it's really unknown. So from your understanding, Dale, they found this leg near the body of another victim. What do we know about her and how did they find that this leg was um, belonged to a separate person? That's right. Uh, they, they originally, uh, and by they, uh, I mean the, the state, and the, the rescue and uh, recovery officials originally believed that it belonged to a, a 21-year-old uh, Air Force um, uh, a mem- member of the Air Force named Lakeisha Levy. And it was, it was originally, looking back at the documents, it was originally thought that the leg belonged to her because it was found in proximity. And, and uh, the initial analysis uh, seemed to indicate that uh, it very likely belonged to her. Uh, however, a number of days later, um, the medical examiner's office and the recovery team found themselves with um, an additional leg that did not have uh, a, a match, didn't have a body to go along with it. And so they looked at what they had, and, and they had discovered that the, leg, the second leg that they found belonged to Miss Levy. And by that time, unfortunately, this unidentified leg was already buried uh, with her, in Louisiana. Oh my gosh, did they have to, how did they get the leg back? The the, the FBI and the, the medical examiner's office were in close contact with her family and the uh, the the coffin was uh, eventually exhumed and the leg recovered, right? And at that point, the, uh, the leg had been embalmed. So th- that's what creates part of the problem that the medical examiner's office faced then and continues to face to this day. Wow. That, I mean, the story of the bombing is, is very tragic. But, you know, when you hear specifics like that, um, it hits a little, a little deeper. But so what did they think after they realized, okay, this leg does not belong to Lakeisha Levy? Where did they go from there? It, it, was, it was really a mystery. And I don't think, I think the medical examiner's office didn't really try to assume too much. Um, because they they were still waiting on results of various tests and really to kind of find out um, what, at, at what point should the leg be tested against um, other 
possible victims, known victims of the bombing. And it was the belief of officials early on that this leg belonged to somebody who we already knew died in, in the blast. And I don't think that um, that opinion has changed much, if at all, in the last 25 years. Um, unfortunately, it's, uh, it's been pretty much impossible to have a definitive answer, a public definitive answer, because the, the DNA from this unidentified leg uh, cannot be put into the, the database, the, the, the national law enforcement database that is used to help identify unknown uh, people. Why is that? The, the methods for, uh, for testing DNA uh, are, are fairly strict. And CODIS, the, the, the policies and rules of entering information, entering a sample into CODIS, are so strict that if you, do, if you test the, uh, the material, if you test the DNA and you don't get enough sort of markers back or um, a strong enough sort of signal, then they simply won't allow you to put it into the system. You know, Dale, just from my previous conversations with you about this, it seems that there might also be um, a theory out there that this leg could have belonged to someone that we don't know, that maybe was in the proximity of the bombing, but was never identified as a victim. Is that a possibility as well? Yeah, that's, that's definitely a possibility and something that was raised when the, the medical examiner's office announced that they had this unknown leg. Uh, the, the problem with that um, is that you wouldn't ex- necessarily expect to see just a leg remain. There, there really are no other significant body parts that, that have not been identified. Obviously, a lot of tissue because the blast was so severe and catastrophic. Uh, but I think at the time, the medical examiner's office thought, well, we're not just going to find a leg. We're going to find something else. Um, and absent that, uh, absent knowing that uh, there, there were people who were in the area that we didn't, uh, that we haven't yet located, you know, the, there really wasn't much of that that could be tied back to this uh, unidentified leg. So, you know, they, they found themselves with a leg and not much else. Do they have kind of running guesses of existing known victims that they did not recover um, a leg for that they think, okay, it could be one of these, you know, 10, 15 people potentially? In in 95, when when the bombing happened, they they had a a certain number of people who were missing um, parts of their body that it could have possibly... um, uh, you know, been their leg theoretically could have fit on that body, right? But but I think the the problem is is that because the tissue was degraded, because it was embalmed, and uh, it's it's called formalin fixed, the the fixed formalin DNA uh, made it such that you you can't get a good sample out of it. Um, now, another problem is is that the state and the FBI have been really secret, really quiet about their investigation into the leg. Um, they, they, they talked about it at first and, and just notified the public that, you know, we have this leg and we're sorry about the mistake and, you know, we're trying to find out who it is. But in, in the intervening years, uh, it doesn't seem like there's been much, if, it, if any, movement uh, on trying to find out um, who this belongs to. Right. So 
What investigations are being suggested at this point going forward on how to potentially identify the person to whom this leg belonged? Yeah, so the the last time that the state tried to find out who this belonged to uh, was in 2016, and they sent it to a, a reputable DNA lab for testing, and they again found that they could not um, uh, get a good enough sample to put into CODIS, or to the law enforcement uh, matching system. However, um, I, I was talking recently with someone who thinks that they might be able to to at least do good research uh, and and possibly find um, someone uh, related to the, the the person who this like belongs to. And I let's let's let her identify herself. I'm Dr. Colleen Fitzpatrick. I am the co-executive director of the DNA Doe Project. You know, the law enforcement has their own system. They have their own tests. They have their own database. And that's off limits to the rest of us. We don't have 20 markers like law enforcement uses for the CODIS system. We have 600,000 points that we use to characterize somebody. If you have 20 CODIS markers and you lose a couple, you know, that's pretty serious. But if you have 600,000 and you lose a lot of them, you still have a lot left. And that's why in genealogy, we can make a lot of identifications, even when there's no CODIS profile generated. So, Dale, when she talks about the processes with which she wants to potentially identify the the, the, the person who had this unidentified leg, when she talks about that process, is this proven technology? It, it certainly does seem to be. Um, they... The, the very first case that her team solved in 2017 involved uh, a, uh, an individual who had died and left a significant amount of money in their bank account. However, when investigators looked into this person, they realized that the, the name this man went by was the name of a, of a young boy who had died decades earlier. So it was, it was a false name. And so what they had to do, because he, he had been cremated after he died, they had to go back and look at a biopsy sample that this man had given and this sample was 14 years old by the time investigators got a hold of it it had been encased in paraffin wax um, and it uh, seemed to be pretty highly degraded but her team at the the dna doe project um, were able to really kind of look at a different look at the dna in a different way and they were able to identify uh, by going through genealogy records of people who had submitted their own personal DNA to a database to see, you know, um, if we, to find out your ethnic lineage and maybe some health issues. Um, so they, they cross-ran it with that database, and they found someone who might be this man's cousin. And after that, after you do the science, the, 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 the chemical science, you go off and you do the, the social science. You look at um, the genealogical records and try to identify this person by who their family is. That's really interesting. I know the the genealogical tests are very popular. I think they do, you know, Christmas specials every year. Um, my family was interested in doing those. But talk a little bit about why um, those types of tests and why, in, in this case, identification um, is so important and, and what that might mean for folks. Well, think about it. For 25 years, um, it's possible, it's possible that for 25 years someone has wondered where their 
brother is or their daughter or some member of their family uh, who possibly has been missing and they just don't know that they were a victim of the bombing. Um, a theory that's been floated, and it seems fairly plausible that if this is the remains of an unknown victim, it could have been a transient, uh, someone who just happened to be in the area, a homeless person or someone who was passing through and who wasn't in really close contact with their family, uh, and their family wouldn't know that they were in Oklahoma City. So that's, that's a possibility. Uh, you could have a family out there who's missing a relative. Um, and, you know, I, I, think it, I think it could bring closure if someone is, is thinking their family member is alive or dead or who knows. It could bring closure. But uh, Colleen kind of sees it a, a different way. Um, I really don't believe there's such a thing as closure. It doesn't really close anything. It, it just leaves it open in a different way. That person is never going to come back. And that hole in the family will be there forever. So really what it does, it brings release. It brings information. It brings, you know, a type of, I know what happened to it. So the energy that that family has been expending on wondering where their family member has been, now they don't have to use that energy in that way anymore. So Dale, what's next? I have reached out to the medical examiner's office and let them know that Colleen is very interested in taking a crack at this sample. Uh, We're still waiting to hear back um, to see if they're interested. Uh, There's a a lot of process I think that you would have to go through consultation with the Department of Justice and the FBI, uh, the state medical examiner's office, and uh, the the, uh, the Oklahoma state government to, um, to allow... A, a, a test based on this and and because this kind this goes beyond sort of the normal law enforcement process and this wouldn't be a sample entered into CODIS this would be g- giving this information over to really a third party but um, Colleen's organization the DNA Doe Project recently came to Oklahoma and was able to identify uh, Lime Lady um, um, a decades-old um, unknown victim case, someone who, who had been murdered. They eventually found out who they were, and, and just several weeks ago, from the time that we're recording this, um, Colleen's, uh, Colleen's group came to Oklahoma with the Oklahoma County Sheriff's Office and announced that they had found out who this person was. So uh, it's not unheard of for them to assist law enforcement, but in this case it might be a little bit more difficult because we're talking about um, the, the federal government and such a high-profile case. Well, we'll look forward to you following this. And thank you so much for being here with us and, and discussing this story. And for our listeners, I follow along with our coverage of the 25th anniversary of the Oklahoma City bombing in our daily newspaper and at oklahoman.com. Mm-hmm.